Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Tonight we want to share with you along the lines of signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Thank God for signs and wonders. While we were away, I was reading from Acts chapter 14 and verse 3, and those two words just kind of stuck out about signs and wonders. And so uh, it just prompted me just to do somewhat of a study along that line and reveal to us the importance of signs and wonders. And then also hook up together with the Holy Ghost, who I believe is moving in a powerful way here upon the earth, wanting to demonstrate signs and wonders among us. Praise God. So, should we hook up together with the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. You know we're living in the last of the last days. And that Jesus' return is imminent. I mean, He can come any moment, praise God. As far as we're concerned, even so come Lord Jesus, right? Come on, we're ready. Are you ready tonight? Your ticket stamped, you ready to go? Praise God. How about the rest of you? You ready to go? <laughs> Let's look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, beginning at verse 15. And he said unto them, that's the disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to some people. Every creature, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow only the apostles. I just want to make sure that you're still on board. Who shall they follow? So he's talking to the apostles. He's talking about those who believe. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Right? In my name shall they cast out devils. In my name shall they speak with new tongues. In my name they shall take up serpents. In my name if they drink it, they think it won't hurt them. In my name they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Then, after the Lord had spoken unto them... He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. The gospel that we preach is a message that involves more than just words or lessons, let's say, from a Bible study. It involves more than that. It involves signs and wonders that confirm the word that's being spoken. And the apostles, the disciples of the Lord, expected signs and wonders to confirm the word that they spoke. So everywhere they went and proclaimed the truth of God's word, those words that they spoke were confirmed with signs and wonders that ministered life to the people that were in need. So we could say it this way, signs and wonders really are God's way to advertise the gospel. And not only did Jesus declare that signs and wonders would confirm the word, we also see that Paul the apostle, when he spoke and taught the people the gospel, he also agreed with what Jesus said, that the word that I speak to you, I'm speaking, which is the gospel, but it's confirmed with signs and wonders. So in other words, I didn't just come with lessons and words. 
I came to you with signs and wonders or deeds or the power of the living God to demonstrate to you that God is a living God, that God is a prayer answering God, that God is alive and well, and that He will meet your need if you just look to Him in faith. Amen. So, uh, in that verse 20, let's look at that verse 20 just again, one more time. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with... Now, the them is italicized in the, in the uh, King James Version. But it should could read, it could read like this. The Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. In other words, he worked with the word that they spoke and confirmed that word with signs following. Can you see that? So in other words, whenever we proclaim or declare, decree the word of God to someone, we should expect a response. If you preach God's saving grace, you do so with expectancy, believing the person is going to be convicted by what you're saying, and there will be a response, and that person will give his or her life to Jesus. If you preach the gospel of healing and proclaim that Jesus is a healer, you expect the healing power of God to manifest, and that person receive that healing power into their body. Right? If you talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the same thing is true. If you talk about repentance, then the same thing is true. God's word is a living word. And God will confirm that word with signs following. And so even if we're just on a day-by-day -day basis sharing truth with other people, let's remember before we do, be prayed up in the Holy Ghost and believe the Spirit of God to confirm what you're saying and make a reality out of it. Now look at the book of... Uh, 1 Thessalonians, here's Paul the Apostle. Notice what he said. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And that word power is talking about the word came, how? With signs and wonders, demonstrations of God's mighty power. They expected things to happen. How many of you expect things to happen when you act upon the Word of God? You expect God to show up on the scene and confirm that Word and make it good. Well, that's what Paul is saying. Look at Romans chapter 15. Again, you'll see the term that's used here. Signs and wonders. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, not just word, but word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about them to Illyricum, uh, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So the full gospel is not just a message of words, a full gospel is talking about the signs and the wonders and the demonstrations of the Holy Ghost power that is manifested when we proclaim the Word. It's like in the beginning, we understand that the, the, it was a chaotic state in the very beginning and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. But not one thing occurred until the Word was spoken. When the Word was spoken, the Spirit of God moved and great and mighty things happened. And so it's, it's the same thing when we proclaim the truth of the Gospel. We proclaim it, we declare it, and the Spirit of God moves. He hovers over it to see to it that He makes it a reality. And you know what? Isn't this life, this Christian life, all about experiencing reality with God? Having a relationship 
being born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of the Spirit, also proclaiming the truth of the Word in power and demonstration. I believe and we should all believe that when we share our testimony with people, it should penetrate their very souls. I had an opportunity while we were away on vacation to witness to a few people that were homeless. And of course, I had to inject Andrew's testimony and, and of course let them know about that. But the one woman, she said, I grew up in... These are her words, so I'll just share with you. She said, I grew up in the Catholic Church. She said, but my mother didn't go to church anymore, so I didn't go to church anymore, and so I had become a pagan. You became a pagan. She's homeless, and there were two other guys that were homeless as well. And so I, the Spirit of God just came on me. And I just began to proclaim the Word and declare the Word to her soul. Expecting the Spirit of God to move upon her heart. Now it didn't happen instantaneously. But I believe that those words I spoke penetrated her soul. And everywhere she goes, praise God, she will not rest. Because the Spirit of the Holy God that we serve is upon her. Taking those words and making them a reality. And they will penetrate her very soul and demand a response from her. And I believe, maybe I watered it. I don't know, maybe someone else sowed the seed, but I watered it. But I believe that God has given that woman the increase. I believe that with all my heart. And so, I thank God for this opportunity that we all have to share the truth of God's Word. And never walk away discouraged or frustrated when you put it out there to someone. No matter how the response is at that particular moment. Because you have no idea what God is doing in their souls. That's the same thing that's true with our children. We may not be satisfied with what's going on in their lives and that sort of thing, but you speak the Word of God over their lives expecting the Holy Ghost to take that Word. See, He needs something to work with in people's lives. And when you proclaim the Word over your child's life or over anybody's life, you believe those words have power and the Spirit of God is upon them, brooding over them, and that He will, praise God, make them become a reality at some point in that person's life. Now, it takes sometimes time. Why? Because... People have their own will. But I believe, praise God, that God's not going to let them go. God is not going to let them go. His Spirit will hover over them, praise God, until they have to come to a place of making a decision in their lives as to what they're really going to do. Okay, look at this, uh, another verse in Acts chapter 20. Paul proclaimed the truth of God's Word and power and demonstration which turned the Gentiles and had them come to Jesus. But here is an example of what I'm talking about tonight. And this is impacting, this is, this is powerful. Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, first day of the week, of course, being Sunday, which is when they began to worship because of the resurrection Sunday, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. So put your watches away. You'll get that in a moment. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. Does that surprise you that that statement was made? There were many lights? We'd have to almost envision what's going on here. Paul knew he had to depart, and Paul had much to give. And so Paul preached his heart out until midnight. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep, I don't suggest that when you're listening to somebody preach, but anyhow. And as Paul was long preaching, that's where we get long with the preachers from, 
he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft, three stories up, 30 feet, and was taken up dead. And all my um, commentary state, he probably fell asleep, dozed off, and leaned back and fell out the window, straight down, 30 feet, and when they went out and found him, he was dead. And Paul went down and fell on him, and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. You talk about a sign. You talk about a wonder that will capture someone's attention. Now some people say, well, he wasn't really dead. Well, he was dead. You can look up all the commentaries, all the commentaries that I looked at. This man was dead. He was raised up just like Elijah raised up, uh, you know, the one fellow just laying on top of him, Elijah, Elisha, etc. He was raised up from the dead. He preached his heart out. He proclaimed the word. And when the opportunity arose, and remember this, the enemy wants to destroy the word before it ever gets out, the work of the word in people's lives. What does he do? He demonstrates the sign, the wonder, by having this fellow raised up from the dead. And you talk about comforting the people? You talking about getting people to believe? I'll tell you what, that's advertisement. Would you not say that's advertisement? That is advertisement. That's advertising the gospel. And oftentimes we try to get people to hear what we're saying, believe what we're saying, and sometimes all it takes is this manifestation of the power of God through a sign or a wonder to really get them to understand so that they have no reason not to believe. Alright, look at the 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Again, signs and wonders are necessary to promote the gospel, to advertise the gospel, to show that God is alive. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How will our faith ever be in the power of God if the power of God is not demonstrated? And so Paul said, look, my preaching and teaching, it's not about flowery words that I can preach and speak. It's not being a great orator. It's about speaking the word and demonstrating the fact that the power of God will manifest and that word will become a reality in people's lives. And that's what he did. He proclaimed it. And then, of course, God confirmed it with these signs and wonders. We have got to believe that signs and wonders are as necessary today as it was back then. Because Jesus is the same. And because people are just the same today as they were back then. Are they not? You know, some you'll never get through just by preaching. And just by teaching. But when they see God at work. When they see the power of God on display. Then it can penetrate their very souls. And that's how they evangelized the world back then. Alright, in this verse, uh, the Greek implies that he preached the gospel with proof. In other words, signs and wonders were the proof that what he was saying was true. And they were significant back then, and they are significant today, and will always be significant. Look in the book of Hebrews in chapter 2. If we want to be more effective in evangelizing our world where God has called us, then it's important that we have the same thoughts that the early church did. It's not just preaching and teaching, 
is preaching with power and demonstrating the power of God. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by, with, by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost distributed according to His will. So now once again we see here in this right of the book of Hebrews, what's he talking about? The, the ministry of Jesus was attested to with signs and wonders. When he raised up Lazarus from the dead, you think people started to believe at that point? Many that were hard-hearted all of a sudden started to believe when they saw that miracle take place. And you know, those that say today we don't need those miracles that they've been done away with and all that, I don't know what world they're living in. We need it more now than ever before. The world that we're living in right now is falling apart, walking away from God. Our people today, even our young people, need to see God in action, manifesting His presence, demonstrating His power. They need to know that the God that we talk about is alive. He is real, praise God, and He will show up, and He will manifest His presence, and He will demonstrate His power. You remember the story of Dagon when they put, took the Ark of the Covenant, the Philistines took it and put it next to Dagon, the fish god of, of the Philistines, remember that? And there they were together, supposedly just another figure. Ark of the Covenant, Dagon, and they had other you know, idols that were in there as well. So to them it was just another idol until the next morning and they saw him fall over. They put it, picked him back up. Then the next morning I saw him fall over with his head off. Then they got scared. Our God is not a statue. He's not dead. He is very much alive and longing to manifest his presence, his power and his glory and show himself strong. Finally, they got so upset and afraid, they sent the thing back. Think about that. Beloved, what's going to make the difference in this last day in which we live is signs and wonders as we give place to God truly manifesting His glory, stretching forth His hand to heal. Tremendous signs and wonders being wrought by the powerful name of Jesus. Look uh, in the book of Acts chapter 2. The New Testament reveals to us the fact that believers in the early church understood the need or the necessity for signs and wonders. This is after Peter got done preaching on the day of Pentecost. You recall the story and how they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then Peter began to preach a powerful sermon. As he preached that powerful sermon, he said, Look, we're not drunk. This is the power of the living God manifesting itself to you before you through these, this sign of tongues and what took place. He said, This is what prophet was prophesied by Job that in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall have visions, your old men shall dream dreams, etc. And it all boils down to one thing. Why? So that the people of the earth are saved. Well, then he goes on and he talks about this. After they saw what took place, they then said, well, what could we do? What should we do to be saved? Look at this. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Notice, he preaches a powerful message. 
These people are pierced through the heart. They now want to give their hearts to Jesus and they do. And a continuation of signs and wonders and miracles take place among the people. It was commonplace for them then. It should be commonplace for us today. I believe if you're out there and you've got a situation that's going on in your life right now, look to God and start thanking Him for signs and wonders, demonstrations of His power. Are you addicted to something? You just lift your hands to heaven. I believe you're the same yesterday, today, forever, and always. Jesus, you're my deliverer. I want to praise you until I am completely delivered and set free from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Before I came in here, the spirit of prophecy fell upon me. And it just rose up on the inside of me. That if my people would praise me for what they want me to be, then I will manifest my presence, my power, and my glory, and I will show myself strong. I will deliver them. I will heal them. I will set them free. I will make them whole. I will raise them up to be a voice of mine in the earth, and they will serve me with joyfulness of heart and gladness for all things. And I will bring deliverance, praise God, that will set the captives free. Hallelujah. See, it's not just about learning more lessons. It's about realizing that what we've learned is true. And now putting God to the test almost prove me now here with says the Lord. If I won't do what I said I will do. Now, Father, you said it. Now it's time to do it. Amen. We believe you're doing it. You're setting me free right now. You're healing my body right now. You're making me whole right now. You're providing for that need right now. You are moving in a powerful way. Your favor is upon me right now. I just receive it. I thank you for it. I'm just going to rejoice in it over and over until it becomes a reality. That's the problem right there. Too often people stop too short. All of us, myself included, and we don't continue thanking Him long enough until it materializes. Because we want it in a moment's time. He said, no, you just keep on praising me. I want to share this on, on a, fr a Friday of the healing class. So if you're coming to the class, this is a little advance notice. People want to be whole. People want to be cured, right? And they have tried different methods to become whole. We love our health, don't we? Uh, anybody likes being sick? Anybody here enjoy being sick? No. Well, they've tried all kinds of things. They tried the barefoot cure. And, and the, that barefoot cure was, you, if you walked around barefoot, barefooted, day and night, rain, snow, sleet, hail, doesn't matter what is going on out there in, with the weather, they believed, they actually believed that would be a healing process or power in, in their lives. And so they tried that. They got hot feet, cold feet, wet feet, and everything else feet. But they tried it. Then there's what is called the mud cure, mud bath cure. They actually believe if you took a mud bath, whether it was a cold or cancer, you could be healed if you just take a mud bath. Remember those back in the day when they had these medicine men traveling around the, the nation selling their bottle of elixirs? Remember that? They tried that, believing they'd come up with these concocted cures for people, and people just bought into it. They fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because people want to be well. People want to be whole. True? Well, I tell you what. There is a cure that Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans talks about in her books, Healing from Heaven, four books she has out. I think we have them in our, our bookstore there. And talks about a missionary who got smallpox. And she got so sick from the smallpox, she was quarantined. And they basically left thinking that she's going to die from this. They were everywhere, all over her body. And being the woman of faith that she was, she said to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? 
here I am quarantined and they're trying to help me, but basically there's not much hope for me. He said, I want you to praise me that you're healed. I want you to praise me until every pock leaves your body. And he showed her two, a balancing scale with like two baskets and said, here is your problem. And it was way down like that. And here is your praise. He said, when your praise basket is full, that's when you're going to see my power at work. Well, this woman, she began praising the Lord. The doctors came in. They thought she was delirious. They tried to calm her down. They said, you're using too much of your energy. What are you doing? Why are you singing? Why are you praising? All of a sudden, there were other Christian nurses that were there. They started chiming in with her. And they're all singing together and praising together. And she's singing and she's praising and she's singing and she's praising. Finally, after a few days of this, the doctor came to her and just said, what are you doing this for? Why are you acting this way? Why do you praise so much? She said, because I got so many pox. That's why I praise so much. And she said, I just kept on praising day and night, praising day and night. Just thanking God that I'm healed, thanking God I'm delivered, thanking God I'm set free. And then all of a sudden, the Lord showed her again in the vision that her praise basket was full. And uh, the other basket went up. And then she looked at her body and every pock was gone. No scars whatsoever. Her skin was perfectly, perfectly whole. And she just praised God. It's called the praise cure. Now the barefoot cure didn't work. The mud bath cure didn't work. The elixirs they tried really didn't work. But I'm telling you the praise cure, it works. Whatever we want, praise Him for it. If He's offered it in His Word, let's praise Him for it. And what will happen? The Holy Ghost will manifest Himself and signs and wonders will take place. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 4. We're talking about signs and wonders. We're talking about what God wants to do in your life. Not just through apostles, but your life, my life, all of our lives. Yes, the ministry, but also in your everyday life. Expectations for signs and wonders. And now, Lord, behold, their threatenings. This is after Peter and John were taken into question because they healed the man at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And then they were threatened. And they were then let go to their own company. They prayed a prayer. This is the end of that prayer. And in that prayer, they say, Now, Lord, behold, their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by giving us intelligent words to say, by giving us a better education, by coming up with some programs that we could do to possibly reach them. By stretching forth your hand to heal, incorporate this in your prayer life. By stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Hallelujah. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Look at They believed it was absolutely, positively necessary for the Spirit of God to manifest Himself in signs and wonders in order for them to continue with boldness to proclaim the truth of God's word. So they felt it was necessary. They saw that it was necessary. But look at Acts chapter 5. See, they prayed that prayer, the place was shaken. You, you want God to shake your house? This temple of yours can be shaken. But what about if your house you live in is shaken? Can you imagine people driving by and your house is just rocking? I mean, it's just rocking away. 
What's going on in that house over there? What's underneath there? What's the matter with the foundation and all that? It's the power of Almighty God shaking the place, praise God, manifesting His presence and His power. Look at this. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and the rest there's no man joined himself unto them, but the people magnified them. And believers were added, the more added to the church, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches. And at the least, the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one of them. Can you say amen? This is what they prayed for. Signs, wonders, demonstrations of the, of the power of God. The shadow of Peter is talking about the anointing that emanated from his being. And as it manifested itself, the people were healed, they were delivered, they were set free. You see, this is a unified effort where people come together and say, we're tired of religion. We're tired of all that's going on around us. It's time for us to cooperate in a better way with the living God and say, Father God, it's not going to be how intelligent we are. It's not going to be how politically savvy we are. It's not going to be by the military force that we have. It is only by the power and the might of your Holy Spirit that we are going to experience the things that you have provided for us through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are coming to you. We're going to echo the prayer of these apostles and say, Grant us with boldness we may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and for signs and wonders to be wrought in the name of the Holy Child Jesus. Then look at Acts chapter 14. This is what I was really inspired with as, as I began studying this. But the apostles stayed there a long time preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miracle signs and wonders. Hallelujah. In other words, in the Greek it's implying, this was the proof that the word is true. I remember the time I walked into this house with this one lady. I gave this testimony before. It bears repetition right here. And I was just young to the Lord and, and she wasn't even saved and she hurt her ankle so bad she couldn't walk on it. Real quick, I'll just say it again. But I went in there with my dad and I just talked to her about the gospel message and I just said, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, you'll be born again. Guess what? She did. Did she get saved? Yes, she got saved. She got saved at that very moment when she believed. Well, then I just said nonchalantly, well, he's your Savior now, but he's also the healer because he bore your sickness and carried your pain and with his stripes you were healed. If you'll accept the as your healer, you'll be healed too. And she said, well, then yes, I will. So I prayed a simple prayer. Jesus, you died for her on Calvary. You bore her sickness. You carried her pain with the stripes. You were healed. She was healed. I said, Sister, you receive him now as your healer? Yes, I do. I said, Well, then now you're healed by his stripes. That's all I said. She jumped up off that bed, uh, off that couch, and she smashed her foot on the ground that she couldn't even walk on before. Completely, instantaneously healed and made whole because it was confirmed. The word was confirmed with the sign following. Imagine that. Sometimes we make it so difficult, we make it so hard. But you see, there has to be expectation. We expect, praise God, signs and wonders to follow the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. I expect it. Hallelujah. Do you expect it? Now, signs and wonders also played a significant role in delivering the Israelites when they came out of Egypt and getting into the promised land. Look at Psalm 78. The Bible is filled with and full of these particular uh, testimonies where the power of God was on display then in the early church and also throughout history. Of the Christian church. Now, to put it in full context, you've got to read too many scriptures. Many of them. But this is the gist of it. 
How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy, how he wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. Now you go back and back it up and you can see in verses 12, actually through 55, so it won't take time to read it all. But he rehearses everything that God did for them in Egypt and get them out of Egypt and Zoan. And I'll tell you what, God took a record of it. He wrote it all there for us to read. He said they forgot all that stuff. We cannot forget that the God we serve is a living God. We cannot forget that He will honor His Word. He will see to it that His Word is confirmed or proven to be true with signs and wonders. When the... Uh, Revival took place in Indonesia and there was this group that came together with the, the priests that were there and how the priests wanted them to be removed from the place. But they said, no, God sent us here to tell you that God doesn't want you worshiping those idols. And they said, we don't worship idols. He said, I'm not going to argue with you. God said you're worshiping idols and he wants you to get rid of those idols. He said, well, then here's what I'm going to do. If you don't believe me, then let's go into your church. Let's get the idols. Let's put them down on the ground. They put them down on the ground. And the, and the fellows that was... Uh, involved with the team that went there to minister then said okay Lord this is what you said for us to do and so now you see these these here statues that are here we could you said they're idols if they're idols then let them burn if they're not then let them stay fire came down from heaven consumed the idols they were reduced to powder and I admire the priest who said wait a minute I got more in the back and he brought them out and said let's get rid of these too think about that should that only be for them back then? Should it only be for others exclusively? What about every one of us? To boldly rise up and start declaring, you know what, I serve a God who hears and answers prayer. I'm not playing games. I'm not being religious. I'm expecting reality. You know what, I've seen things in my own personal life. I've loosed my angels, and I've, I've seen them bring back stolen property from me. I've loosed my angels, and had them find things that were lost for me. I loosed my angels and had their protection in such a way in a snowstorm that I saw my angel with his hand over my car and basically saying, I'm protecting you, my hand is upon you. And when I first came here to Midland, uh, when the church was in Midland, 38 years ago in August, angels were seen over my house. And angels were seen standing next to me walking on the streets of Midland. And I'm not saying that because of me. It has nothing to do with me. Because if I was God, I wouldn't choose me to pastor a church. Especially then when I was wet behind the ears and didn't know a thing. Why am I saying that to you? Because God wants to choose to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And when I first came, and I'm remembering these things for a reason. Because the Lord spoke Remember from, from the beginning. Repent and redo the first works over. That's the key to restoration. Remember. I remember when we would come to church and we would praise God until the building shook. I remember how the people would come to the altar the power of God would fall that everybody would be on the ground. I remember signs, wonders, and demonstrations of God's mighty power and glory. I remember arms growing out, legs growing out. I remember all kinds. And how many of you can attest to that? You're here. You're still here right now. You can attest to these things. I remember going up to Prayer Mountain over there in Darlington. 
up on that mountain. I remember how they came to see this young whippersnapper that came to the church that down middle, this, this little Italian. That's what they were saying, some whippersnapper. And I remember how I preached a simple message about God's, uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and his, he wants to save us, heal us, deliver us and set us free. And all of a sudden, when the evening came, I saw, before that, as we prayed and worshiped, I saw the glory of God standing over there as a cloud. I saw it appear and then vanish away. And then at the time of the altar call, I saw as the glory of God fell and the power of God was in manifestation and the people couldn't even stand. They tried to come up for prayer. They hit, they would get so close and they would hit like the cloud, the glory cloud, they'd fall on the ground. You know, people would obviously at, at those times just think that this is crazy. They didn't know what to think about it. But it was God in manifestation. Remember, remember these days. Remember, sometimes it's important to go back and just remember when you first gave your heart to Jesus and the joy that was there that was unspeakable and full of glory. How important is that? Why? Because it's so easy after years go by for us to get to the place of complacency and just think that, it, you know, I'm, I'm satisfied with where I'm at. But God is trying to light a fire under us. He's trying to put a fire in our bones. He's trying to get us to rise up, go forward and proclaim the word in power and demonstration and expect him to see to it that he honors it with signs and wonders. Are you ready for it? Are you wanting it? Do you desire it? Praise God. Where are we at? Okay. These signs shall follow them that believe. Notice under point four. They are significant today as it was in the Old Testament, as it was in the early church. They are significant today. Look at these reasons. Number one, they validate the gospel message. Acts chapter 16. They validate the gospel message. I remember one day being at work. I was working in the mill. At this time I was a plug setter. And uh, I was walking through the mill, and Brother Jose came up to me, a close friend of mine, who was also a Christian, and he said, this brother here is extremely sick. He's, he's already got his uh, ticket to go home. He's ready to go home. He's leaving because he's so sick. And I said, well, can we, I pray for you before you leave? He said, yeah. He was buckled over in pain. So Brother Jose and I laid hands on his belly and said, in the name of Jesus, I curse this thing and command it to leave. He just looked up with his eyes as big as can possibly be. He said, it's gone. I'm completely healed. I feel great. But I'm still going home. Just wanted a day off, I guess. Healthy. Signs. Wonders. You think that impacted his life? You think that opened up his eyes for him to see that there is a living God? You believe in a living God? Amen. Remember, remember the woman from Aliquippa? Hey, God. When she had all these people come over to her house and more than she expected and she had only a certain amount of spaghetti. Remember? Oh, Burgestown? She had a, only a certain amount of spaghetti. But she was a believer. A strong believer in the power of God. And that little pot of spaghetti that she had that little bit, she put a big pot on with a little bit of spaghetti with about 15 to 20 people to serve. And all she did was look up to heaven. She said, Hey God. Hey God. There's a book out called Hey God. It talks about it. And just like the fish were multiplied, she fed all the people that came there. Not one went away hungry. It multiplied in the pot. Think about that. That's the kind of God that we serve. And someone needs a lot of fire under us, don't you think? Because we're living in a world of complacency in this United States of America, wouldn't you say? Something's got to fire us up. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. Okay, number two. It points our faith to God's power. Look at this verse again, 1 Corinthians. It points our faith to the power of God. At midnight, Paul and Silas, no. In my speech, in my message, I didn't give you that first verse. Let's look at the rest of that verse. Let's go back and let's do that. I got sidetracked. 
Go back to, okay. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. You couldn't even believe something like this could possibly happen. Unless you knew that God was a living God. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Think about that. Supposing that the prisoners had, been, had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And this is the point of this miracle. Brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Oh, my brother and my sister, when the building begins to shake, when the shackles begin to fall off, when we begin to see people delivered and set free that hunger for it, that thirst for it, no matter what your situation is, no matter what you're going through in your life, when you get before God like this and say, you shook that building, you can shake whatever chains are binding my life. I'm looking to you, Father God, to manifest your signs, your wonders, your power in my life. I'm a candidate to have that power manifested in me. And even though man says it's not possible, but with you all things are possible. And so I'm believing, praise God, from the depth of my soul, that you're the same today as you were back then and that you're doing for me right now what you did for them. It points our faith to God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5. This is from the English Standard Version of the Bible. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know how easy it is for us in this country in which we live to have our faith in what man can do? And we thank God for what man can do. But sometimes we can get so involved in what man can do, when we hear what man says about what can't be done, we actually believe it. But God can do what man can do. And God says, I want your faith to be in me. And whatever man says, I can override that. I'm more than enough to meet your need. God wants our faith to rise up and be in him and not what man can do. Thank God for what man can do, but praise God, there is more. Next, they reveal the power of the cross. And this is so important. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. This is again from the English Standard Version of the Bible. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Notice the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Hallelujah. That cross is empty. He's been raised from the dead. And when we preach Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead and victorious over death, hell, and the grave, that becomes the power of the cross to change a human life forever. Just to deal with their sin-sick soul, to bring them out of darkness, to heal their bodies and make them whole, to give them power and victory over temptation. And finally, next one, they meet the needs of people. Look at Exodus chapter uh, 14, verse 21. These signs and these wonders are necessary also to meet the needs of people. Why do we want signs? Why do we want wonders? To meet the needs of people. Because there comes a time when we face situations where man cannot help. Nothing wrong to getting help of man. Never said that. But man cannot do everything. And we might find ourselves in a situation like that where man can't do it. But does that mean we lose all hope? Does that mean we've got to give in to defeat? No. 
Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And they are, there they are before the Red Sea. The sea's in front of them. Enemies behind them. Mountains on the side of them. They're blocked in. They, can't, they have no time to build a boat. No time to build an airplane. No time to build a bridge. It's impossible. They can't even tunnel underneath the ground to go under what they're facing. So he stretches forth his hand, which is the rods in his hand. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Would you not have loved to have been there to see that happen? Think about that. My goodness. To, to witness something of that magnitude and to think that they can doubt after that. They walked across just the fact that the waters were congealed like ice frozen on both sides of them. But also to think that the bottom where that water was resting is now dry ground. And they walk across it. And then the enemy who say to do so, they're drowned in it. And they look back and see their enemies been defeated. They've all been drowned. And that was a type of what? Coming out of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 it references that and says that's like getting baptized Coming out of darkness, coming out of the world, getting saved, coming across, looking back, your enemy is defeated. You know what our enemy is defeated? Our enemy has been defeated, praise God. But this sign and this wonder took place for what reason? To help God's people. God is still wanting to help His people. Look at John's Gospel. And this is, the, this is astounding to me. We all say this all the time, but does it impact us like it should? This is the first miracle that Jesus ever did. Think about this first miracle that Jesus ever did when he walked on this earth. He was 30 years old at the time. He got baptized in water and also with the Holy Ghost. The power of God came upon him. His mother, he, mother goes to him appealing to him saying that they need your help. And he says, well, well, it's not my time. It hasn't come yet. He she tells the servants there, do whatever he tells you to do. What advice Mary gave. Do what he tells you to do. He tells them to go fill up the water pots, right, with water. Probably... So many gallons, 30 gallons, whatever, of water. And to bring it back to the governor of the feast. So when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants withdrew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning that set forth good wine, and when men had well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee. Beginning of miracles, his first miracle, King of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on it. Notice, now they believed on him when they saw this sign. But I kind of was puzzled by that. The first thing he ever did, miraculously, was turn water into wine at a marriage feast. Think about that. Why? Because there was a need. That kind of a need? He cares about people. And the power of God can be on display and manifested to meet the needs of people. And that's why God wants us, praise God, to look to Him when we proclaim the Word to people to manifest His power to make it a reality. And that's why I say even with our young people, with our children, parents, we've got such an advantage when they go, when they go to sleep at night. Remember when they're really small and rambunctious? And everybody tells you, they're so cute, they're so wonderful. And you say, yeah, especially when they're sleeping. Have you been down that road? Yes, especially when they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Now that they're a little bit older, and teenagers and all that, and they're lying in bed, 
You could walk in that room and praise God. You could lay your hand, whether it's on that bed. Even while they're gone, you can lay on that bed and let the anointing of God just drip from you on those bed sheets. Praise God. And when they lie in that bed, there'll be a manifestation of the glory of God that will just shake the sense of God right into their hearts and minds. Can you believe that? Wigglesworth did that. And the guy got saved. Just by, remember the story? How many, how many heard that story? How many remember that story? He was at a meeting, and this, this woman wanted her husband to get saved, and he was not wanting to serve God. And so, throughout this whole time, you know, he never did anything about what he said he would. He would pray for this guy to get saved. So at the end of the meeting, he's walking out. He's, he stayed in her home. And what happened was, with, her husband worked a night shift. And so, he would sleep in the bed during the day, and then while he was working you know, all night long. Then when he would leave, she would change the sheets. And then he would get in bed and go to sleep in his own bed. Well, as he was leaving on the last day, Wigglesworth's walking out on the sidewalk. He's leaving the house. And she said, what about my husband? He just turned back and said, don't change the sheets. Don't change the sheets. So he goes off and the guy comes home from work. He lies in the bed. He hits the bed, jumps out of bed, hits the floor on his knees and says, God, save me. See, the anointing was on those sheets from his life. And there was conviction that came upon his soul the moment he touched the sheets. You see, but that was Wigglesworth. He's no different than we are. You can walk in that room. You can lay your hands on their pillow. You can lay your hands on their head. You can pray in tongues over them. You can believe God, praise God, that he'll manifest his glory in their lives everywhere they go. I don't know about you, but I believe that we need to sicken with the Holy Ghost and power and with holy angels. Everywhere they go, surround them with your favor, Lord. Surround them with your peace. Praise God. We've got to quickly get through this. All right. Tongues is a significant sign. In Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, look at this. Here's a sign. We're talking about signs and wonders. Here's Peter, a Jew, going to the house of a Gentile. He's been told never do that. You can't preach to these people. But while Peter spake these words, he's rehearsing what God told him to do. He's the life of Jesus. The Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. Why? Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did he know that? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. How significant is this? The Jew never believed a Gentile could get saved. But let's read on. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Now go on down. Chapter 11. In chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, Peter was now brought into question because of what took place. Because he went to the house of a Gentile and he preached the gospel. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, the Jews, contended with him, saying, You went into men uncircumcised or Gentiles and you did eat with them? Oh, oh, sorry. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them saying, and we'll skip over that. He just told them what, he, what, what was happening. He saw a vision. He was told to go there. And the man said to send for him and all that. Okay, and he would give him words to be saved. But Peter then rehearsed all this saying, all that, and then move on. Go on down to verse 13. And he showed us how that he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said to him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby you and all your house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, 
as on us at the beginning. Then remember now the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the gift of, as he did unto us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. You realize that through tongues that the Gentiles gave witness, or God through the Gentiles, by filling with the Holy Ghost and speaking with tongues, made them realize that salvation was for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. How significant is that sign and that wonder? And we're going to talk more about this because this is so impacting and so powerful with regard to our individual lives to generate the miracle-working power of God that will demonstrate God's power in our lives on a daily basis. So, who are we to resist God? If the sign was on the day of Pentecost that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke in tongues, if the sign was in the Gentile camp here at Cornelius' house, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues, then who are we to resist God? And say that it should be done a different way. What, how significant is this sign? How powerful is this sign? Beloved, this sign will absolutely enable us to generate the miracle working power that will give birth to even greater signs and wonders. And the purpose of tongues is primarily in your devotional prayer closet where you pray and stir up the gift of God in you and you give birth to, to, to visions and to dreams and to happenings that God will stir up on the inside of you. You will stir up an anointing of God just like a generator. You'll build yourself up on your most holy faith. It's like anybody ever have a computer that you unplugged it for a while and it, and it indicates, the indicator comes on saying, battery 10%. Anybody ever have that? So what do you do? Sit there and just say, oh, ignore it. Then 7% it would come on again. Then it's very low now, 3%. So what do you do? You just leave it? Or do you plug it in? You plug it in, don't you? Isn't it something when you plug it in, what happens? I don't know about you, but I've been plugged in for a week. I've been plugged in for a week. I've been resting and just praying in the Holy Ghost. Resting and praying in the Holy Ghost. That's great. Just rest and pray in the Holy Ghost. My goal on vacation was to do nothing. That was my goal. Sit there on the beach and do absolutely nothing. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Walk and pray in the Holy Ghost. And whatever. And stir up the gift of God on the inside of me. And it generates miracle working power that the devil does not want you to operate in or walk in. It will give place to miracle signs and wonders and demonstrations of God's power and might. Praise God. It will stir you up on the inside. It will embolden you, empower you to stand against temptation and rise up and be bold to proclaim the truth of God's word. It will equip you, praise God, to activate the miracle working power of God in your life to bring healing into your body. And as you go forth and you minister to other people, it will give you boldness, praise God, to proclaim Jesus. And it will also enable you to be a vessel through which God can do signs and wonders to get them to believe. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the most parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. 
and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.